This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him. You know, however you're listening, just know that we prayed for you because we pray ahead of time that the Holy Spirit would guide our questions, that he would guide our answers, that what is spoken about today on today's show would touch you the very core of your being. But of course, we always want it to guide you and can and help you to connect what you heard yesterday on in the sermon to what you do in your mm-hmm. nine to five all week long that's always our goal now a shout out to all of our stations all over tampa bay am 57910 and fm 102.1 and all over jacksonville and st augustine on the truth 917919 919 and 913 in folkestone georgia and of course on talk 100.3 and am 1600 uh, the the business station. And of course, in Hampton Roads, Virginia, on the Lighthouse AM 1010 and FM 100.1, one day we won't be able to list all the stations, but right now, a shout out to all of you. Martha, talk to people how we want, would love to have them engaging with us in this incredible month. Well, you know, um, one of the things that I love to, um, what we're, we're, we're going to be improving on is our Instagram. That is something that I've had a little bit of a struggle engaging in, but I want people to find us on Instagram. I work for him is our, um, where they can find us. And I actually, that's on all of our social media. So no matter what your favorite platform is, if you go to iworkforhim.com, scroll, scroll to the bottom of the page, you can find us. Maybe you just live on LinkedIn like you, Jim. I live you on know, LinkedIn. People, people hang incredible out Incredible people on LinkedIn. So Just um, look us both up. Jim Brangenberg, Martha Brangenberg on LinkedIn. And I work for him ministries. And of course, I work for him ministries. Follow us. That would be great. We That's post right. a blog so every lot, week, right? Lots of options. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Now, when our creator, the Lord of this universe, operated on Adam in the garden, what was he up to? Inside Adam was the makings of his companion, his perfect match. Eve. Inside Adam was all that Eve was to become, but it had to come out of Adam and be put into Eve in order to be appreciated and loved by Adam. Everything that was now in Eve used to be part of Adam. The scriptures said that they made Adam in their image, and when Adam and Eve came together, they completed the image of God. So the simplicity in the waffle part remained in Adam, and the intricately complex with everything intertwined was placed into Eve. That's the spaghetti part. The bottom line, women are different than men. Rocket science here. They think different, they're wired different, and they learn different. The needs of their discipleship are different, and their stories are different. So we launch another She Works For Him episode today with Martha and Caroline Mendez, taking the reins and highlighting the story of Ellie Neves. They take their leadership strategies for women. Ellie Neves, welcome back. Welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about chatting with you all today. Oh, we are excited to have you here. And Ellie, one of the things that we do, and I believe you know this full well, is when we have someone new on the show with us, we ask them to answer this question. How did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? So I uh, graduated from law school and I was very preoccupied with uh, launching a career in politics. (laughs) And I was networking, I was volunteering on political campaigns, trying to make the right connections that would open the doors of opportunity for me. And I met a young woman who was a devout Christian and she invited me to church and started to study the Bible with me. Now, I wish I could tell you that that's when I became a follower of Christ, but it's not because I wasn't ready. 
-hmm. I was so focused on my professional goals and becoming a Christian just felt like an intrusion in my life at that point. But uh, my career had become an idol. And from my perspective, uh, you know, becoming a Christian required too much of me. And it wasn't until two years later when I had put my heart and soul into my career that I recognized my need for Christ. And I picked up the phone, I reached back out to the woman, and I told her I was ready. She knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> and we resumed Bible studies, and I became a follower of Christ. And mm -hmm. everything in my life has changed since then. And it's been over 18 years now. Wow, that is so amazing. Um, and I just want to um, encourage people that are listening that th they could be like your friend and, you know, just walking alongside you and being faithful and willing to share. You never know when God is going to make your heart ready. And um, that that sounded like it was a journey for you. And I'm so amazed. I think a lot of people, you know, you've I'm sure you've heard all the jokes about lawyers and being a believer and, you know, all of that. But God was using you in that time and softening your heart until the time you were ready. So that's so that's so very great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Allie, this is Caroline. So recently, um, you've shared with us you are battling a significant health issue. Would you share that with our listeners? Sure, sure. So I went on a routine mammogram back in August, and I got the dreadful call that no one wants to hear back from the doctor that I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, as you can imagine, I was devastated. And when you first hear those words, you have no idea what that means. You know, does, does this mean that my life is going to end shortly? Uh, is there a cure for what I'm going to go through? And there is a period of time there where I just didn't know what stage I was in. I was just waiting patiently on the Lord. And uh, I was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. Uh, the doctors told me that I have a 95% uh, cure rate if I follow along with the treatment. So for the past several months, I've been undergoing chemotherapy. I've got two more chemo treatments to go, and then I will be undergoing radiation for 20 treatments. And then for the remainder of the year, I'll be undergoing hormone therapy. So it's been a little bit of a grueling journey with a lot of ups and downs. But the one thing that I haven't done throughout this journey is question God and why he's, why he picked me for this particular task. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what I have learned is that um, the more that I've shared about this journey, the more people seem to be encouraged. And uh, so I'm using it as part of my ministry. It's definitely, like I said, something that's been a journey. It's, 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 required a lot of support from my family, my husband, uh, my friends have been an incredible source of encouragement, my church family, and I keep uh, relying on God each and every day. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm so far from this being over, but it's something that um, was unexpected, but uh, I'm using it in whatever way God wants to use it to glorify Him. Wonderful. You stole my next question, which was, what are you learning about God you know, through this experience, is there any? I'm learning. Yeah, I'm learning that um, you 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 obviously cannot predict what God's next move is going to be in your life. <laughs> I think, especially as a career woman, you know, we like to do a lot of planning 
or even when you're married or when you have children or when you have a family, you spend a lot of time planning what your next day is going to be like, what your future is going to be like, what you want uh, in your future. And obviously, God doesn't take that away from us. He, he wants us to plan, but He wants us to put those plans in His hands and to surrender them. And this was definitely not in my plans. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but it's yeah, <laughs> but so, it's one of those things where I've had to adjust and learn and adapt, and I'm just uh, taking each day as it comes. So tell us how, especially for our listeners who might be dealing with something similar to that or have a coworker who's going through a diagnosis, how are you, um, how is it affecting your work? And let's talk about the work environment for a moment. Sure. So I, um, in the beginning, I shared immediately with my boss. She was a uh, spectacular and very supportive, I guess, because she's also a woman, so she understood uh, what this could mean. Uh, But then when I uh, shared uh, with others in my organization, men as well, I found that there was a lot of sympathy, compassion, empathy even, Mm -hmm. and uh, everyone knows someone who's had cancer. So there was definitely a lot of support and uh, my coworkers have all chipped in and said, if you can't handle something, just let me know. I'll step in for you. And I uh, have been very fortunate uh, that my company is undergoing a transformation, and now I'm able to work from home full time. So that's helped significantly. And uh, just being able to share with others what my experience is, you'll, you'll see how, how much people are willing to help you and support you when you're going through a difficult journey. And have you learned to let go and let them actually help you during those times sometimes? That's been the big lesson, right? I'm a type-based <laughs> personality. I think I need to do everything on my own. But it's right. been such a blessing to see that not only people, not only are they willing to step up and help you, but they're, they want to encourage you as well. I mean, I've had people hmm. offer to come and walk my dog that I don't have or, you know, <laughs> pull out my garbage if I need it. Whatever it is, every, you know, from the, from the, from the largest task to the smallest task, people have been willing to step in and provide that awesome. support. And I'm just so grateful to see that. Yeah. So, Ellie, were you encouraged to be a leader when you were young? Or did you just find yourself naturally leading as you were growing up? I found myself leading naturally, but it's because I had a strong role model. My mother was a community activist, and she worked to ensure that people in our community in the South Bronx in New York City, where I grew up, had access to jobs, quality health care, education, and social justice. And in order to do so, my mom worked with other community leaders to form coalitions and lead organizations. So long before I knew that there was a name for it, leadership was being modeled for me. So naturally, as I was growing up, whenever I saw what I considered to be an injustice, <laughs> I instinctively kicked into leadership mode to address it. Mm, that's oh. awesome. You know, when it's modeled around you, um, you just kind of, you're learning to lead with confidence um, and you don't even really necessarily know it. So Ellie, one of the things you mentioned at the beginning of the show is that you um, went to law school. Tell us just a little bit about your educational background and how how that is what you decided to do and, and what you're doing now. Sure. So I majored in communications when I was in college, and I decided that I wanted to go into politics. Mm 
So I started looking into graduate programs in political science. And at the time, I was dating a young man who was uh, planning to go to law school. And I remembered walking into a bookstore to purchase a book that would help me prepare for the graduate school entrance exam. And there was a book on how to get into law school. So I thought it would be a nice gesture if I got the gift for the young man I was dating. And on the way home, I started to read the book. And to make a long story short, he never got the book. (laughs) I ended up applying to law school myself. Wow. (laughs) So that just changed your trajectory right there. Completely, completely. And, you know, when I graduated, I, I went on to have a career in politics and government. And a few years later, I was recruited to be a legislative lawyer for an insurance company. And my background in politics and government was a great foundation for the role I was in. And a few years later, I recognized that the industry was starting to change and I wanted to remain relevant and I needed to update my skill set. So I decided to go back to school in 2012 and I got my MBA and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. The uh, MBA has given me an understanding of business that I didn't have before and the more well-rounded perspective that I've uh, developed has actually helped me with a business and business trends and allowing me to advise business leaders at a very different level. Hmm. Very good. So Ellie, when did you realize that your faith and your work were integrated or that God cared about what you do in your work? So I, I was working at a large company, and um, I had this decorative pillow that said, uh, prayer, just do it. It was just sitting there in my office. And uh, this young woman walked by my office. She saw it, and she approached me, and she told me how much she was encouraged by the pillow because she thought that when she came to work, she needed to leave her faith outside. Hmm. And that was really encouraging to me because it told me, you know what, you don't have to leave your work outside the door when you come into work. And it actually inspired me to launch a a Bible study at work. And uh, that Bible study ran for many years uh, during our lunch hour. A number of coworkers would just get together. We would pray and study the Bible together. And when I moved on to another company, it was interesting how I landed at a company that already had an ongoing lunchtime Bible study, and I plugged right into it. So um, if it wasn't for that young woman making that comment to me, it would have never occurred to me that so many of us do go to work, especially Christians that work in large corporations and urban sectors where, um, you know, it's a secular market and you don't necessarily think about integrating your faith and your work on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's so interesting because even you were doing it, but you weren't really thinking about it in just having a pillow on the furniture in your office and kind of bringing your faith with you a little bit. Um, it's neat how that then kind of taught you that there is um, a need to have that conversation with other people. I want to talk just for a minute about these Bible studies that you've been involved in in your different workplaces, because you've mentioned that there's been several. And for our listeners, sometimes people don't know you know, if there's not one currently in their workplace, but they desire one, um, how, how did, what did that look like? And how did you get involved? And how did that communicate? I just want to get a little bit of a sneak peek into that to encourage our listeners in that area, because I think a lot of people desire that, but they don't necessarily know what it might look like. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So that first Bible study that I launched was because the young woman had 
asked me about the pillow. And then I knew that there was at least one or two other Christians that I knew of at the office. And I just asked them, hey, would you be interested in having a lunchtime Bible study? And uh, do you know a couple of other Christians? And they did. And every time we added one individual to the Bible study, we asked them, well, do you know another Christian? And they did. So next, Uh you know, we had like, you know, 15 to 20 people meeting every other week at lunchtime to the point where we started reserving conference rooms and we had to have a dial-in number so people could start dialing into the conference call if they weren't in the office that day. Uh, But it just starts with asking that one person and then that person asks one friend and then that person asks another friend. And then, of course, you also have to be very mindful of whatever the workplace, um, uh, you know, uh, culture is and make sure that uh, that it's welcome. Uh, we were doing it during our lunchtime so that it wasn't interfering uh, with uh, the regular course of work. And there are some legal parameters around what you can do and what the company can say or say about you praying or having a Bible study at work. Uh, but the lunchtime hours seem to work perfectly. And it's exactly the same model that the other company that I went to work for had. So that seems to be the sweet spot is is having a Bible study during your lunch hour. Ellie, um, this is Caroline. So uh, I want to shift a little bit away from the faith at work and ask you, it sounds like your mother was a a tremendous role model for you, not only role model, but a female role model. I want to know, were you uh, proactively mentored? Did you actually have a formal um, mentor at any time during your uh, professional career? So I um, had uh, the woman who introduced me to the Lord. She was a, uh, at the time when I just graduated from law school, she had just graduated from medical school. And she was a great mentor because not only was she a professional woman who was launching her career, but she was so grounded in her faith. Her faith informed everything that she did, from her relationships to her career, and she was the perfect uh, model, uh, mentor, and role model for me. And to this day, she still remains a a wonderful friend and someone that I still go to whenever I have uh, spiritual questions that I have or or anything or any debates I want to engage in about the Bible. Uh, And I love that about her. She's just been such a great mentor to have someone who uh, can talk to me not just about Uh, what's happening in the world, but can chat with me about how we look at what's happening in the world from a spiritual lens. Do you have, um, what do you think about mentorship, women mentoring women? Do you have an opinion about that? I have a strong opinion, but I won't share it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that I do outside of my day job uh, working for an insurance company, I have my own company called Leadership Strategies for Women. And I develop seminars and webinars to help high-achieving women to show up, speak up, and step up in their careers. And uh, what launched, what inspired me to launch that company was the desire to be able to mentor other women uh, and help them be able to succeed in their careers and to do it from a place where they can partner with other women in order to do it. Uh, many times I hear when I do speak at corporations or organizations, someone always asks the questions, why aren't more women supportive of other women in the workplace? And I think it's because the higher up you go in organizations, the more you realize that there are fewer of us getting mm-hmm. to the top in corporate America in particular. 
So I think that the more that we can support each other when we do get to the top, uh, the more important it is that we become mentors to help others get up there with us. Mm. You know, and that seems like it's so countercultural because it's like, you know, the whole dog eat dog world. And um, I want to climb the ladder and, you know, crawl over top of people. But women, we we want support from each other. We are we love to be connected. So how do you overcome that in teaching other women in the next 30 seconds or so? Give us just a little snippet of how you help women to be more collaborative and mentor others. Sure. So so one of the things that I um, love to coach women on is just developing relationships. We cannot be influential in the workplace unless we nurture relationships and those relationships in particular with other women because we are very relational and we're very supportive by nature. So if we can nurture those relationships and focus on those relationships with other women, we could really break a lot of those barriers down. Oh, that's a great word. Ellie, you know, I was totally fascinated when you shared your passions with me. Number one, you help women to navigate the work environment, and then you have a particular passion for helping Christian women handle office politics. So if you would, would you start by defining office politics, and then would you share with us how on earth do you help women do that? (laughs) Sure. So, you know, engaging in office politics is often perceived as uh, manipulative and self-serving, but developing political savvy is really the art of successfully navigating through an organization to get things done. And getting things done can mean a myriad of things, like knowing who to call um, to get you to move a request along, uh, being able to influence a hiring decision, the ability to access key resources to help you complete projects, having access to key influencers who can give you high visibility assignments or a new career opportunity. This ability to get things done is key to succeeding in our careers. And striving to succeed in our careers is not a bad thing. You know, our God is all about promotion. It's how we go about getting to the next level that really matters. So whether our approach is good or bad really depends on our intentions and the impact of our actions. Did you just say our God is all about promotion? Yes, I did. What on earth are you talking about, Ellie? (laughs) (laughs) Our God is all about getting us to the next level. Our God, uh, his intention is for us to do well. Uh, His plans for us are for us to succeed, Jeremiah 29, 11. Uh, but we have to do it in a way that honors him and who he is and what he wants for us. You know, and the, the trick is that office politics, you know, is a fact of life, especially if you are working in a secular workplace. So developing political savvy has never been more important than in today's challenging workplace. You know, in the U.S., women make up 43, 44.3% of the workforce. And with this growing number of Christian women entering the workforce every day, these women are skillful, they're relational, they have the desire to get ahead in their careers. Yet office politics is an area where Christian women uh, are often challenged and they want to steer clear of it. Uh, Christian women, they can succeed at organizational politics without compromising their faith. And that's how I like to help them. That's the area where I like to help them get ahead. 
That's delicious. So, Ellie, give us an example of what on earth that would look like. Do you have a, a case study or someone you've worked with recently uh, and give us an example of how does that look to, to do it in a Christian way, office politics? So, you know, I offer women's uh, leadership seminars and um, coaching in both the secular and the Christian markets. And I find that learning how to navigate office politics is an issue for all women. But for Christian women in the workplace, they find it particularly challenging because they feel like somehow in order to get ahead, they have to compromise on their values. So instead of taking any action, what ends up happening is that they feel and they get frustrated because they're not engaging in the organizational dynamics. So they live in a state of ambivalence. And that's because they believe that engaging in this political behavior is somehow inauthentic or will cause them to compromise their Christian values. So Christian women can develop political savvy by stopping and thinking about what the organizational power flow is within their organization. And assuming that you work in a place that doesn't, doesn't violate your personal values, your goal should be to understand your cultural dynamics and to engage in it because you cannot be a leader from the sidelines. You cannot engage uh, as a leader if you're not purposely interacting with people in your organization, understanding how the power flows, understanding who the decision makers are, and understanding how you can strategically place yourself in a position where you are now influencing that dynamic as well. So I spend a lot of time chatting with women about who the key players are within their organization, identifying how it is that they need to go about building strategic relationships, and talking about the workflow and how they can strategically position themselves to take on key assignments that will help help them to leverage uh, the, the promotion dynamics within their organization so that they can also uh, put themselves in a position to get ahead strategically and effectively. So you have said a ton that is just kind of a whole new pair perspective for me, and I'm thinking for our listeners as well, because so many times we hear about office politics, it's negative, it's sideways, it's, um, you know, m- maybe it's getting through just some red tape and or um, compromising, like you said, you know, that's our perspective on office politics. But what you're saying, um, I think could revolutionize a lot of people's work environments, because what you're saying is learn the culture. And as long as it's a culture built on integrity, so, you, you know, it's not the norm to say, OK, well, you're going to, you know, go sideways around this issue in order to get a promotion. Um, but you're actually saying learn the strategy of the culture so that people can utilize it in order to be recognized, to be advanced, um, to make the right moves um, within the organization. And I, I just want to park on that for a minute because I think our listeners, um, this might really get their attention to say, okay, so there are things that they can do um, that make sense in order to um, get the things done that they want to get done. I know that I've been invi- in environments where, um, or I've heard people say, you know, 
do it now and ask for forgiveness later. And, you know, that's never sat well with me. Um, but, but this whole idea of um, really just learning what's around you, what makes things happen, who are the right people to talk to, what questions do I need to ask? Um, I really, th- that's, I, to me, I, it's just eye-opening to think about it. Now, we're just a few people entity. So, you know, I, that's, that's not the same as in a big corporation, um, but yet knowing what's going on. So I just want to remind our listeners that we are talking with Ellie Neves, and you can find out more about her at her website, which is ellieneves.com, and that's N-I-E-V-E-S, E-L-L-I-E, N-I-E-V-E-S. And she is doing things um, really to help women um, understand more about their, how they can be effective managers and executives. And you're doing some great things. Caroline, did you have something you wanted to add to that? I did. I wanted to ask Ellie a question. So Ellie, I'm, I'm hoping for a specific example. And if you don't have a specific example, I will give you one because it used to happen to me all the time in corporate. Sure, I could. I, I have many examples. Okay, I great. Have, um, <laughs> yeah, a specific example of how how to approach office politics from a Christian perspective. An example. Sure. So there's this young woman who um, was uh, in a company that was undergoing several changes, and one of the changes was that her boss um, was leaving the company, and she now had a new boss coming in. And you are completely aware that whenever a new leader comes into an organization, within the first 90 days, you can expect some sort of a shakeup, an organizational shakeup. Absolutely. So under her current boss, she was doing really well. But under this new boss, she noticed that she wasn't able to develop a really good relationship with this individual. And she was trying to get in and have regular conversations, but it didn't seem to be happening the way she, you know, she wasn't connecting in the right way. So she got an inkling that perhaps it was, you know, she was going to be, um, you know, organizationally uh, pushed out of the organization somehow. So she started to talk to individuals within her company, realized that there was a particular department that was on the upswing, that the company was now focusing on uh, new technological developments. And one of the biggest um, areas that was now about to start booming within the organization was cybersecurity. She had just registered for a graduate program and decided that because the company was going through this change, she decided to now focus a lot of her coursework on cybersecurity. And uh, she was right, actually. Um, The person that had just taken over the organization was going to push her out, but because she started networking with the individuals that were starting to design that cybersecurity area, and she was now taking uh, on some of these courses in that area, she decided to volunteer for the summer internship program which was a little unusual because she was already an employee in the organization. Mm-hmm. But she thought that that might be a good way for her to get in there and start meeting some of the individuals in that particular department. And because she was taking those courses, they agreed to that. And she kind of became a leader amongst the other interns because she already knew how to navigate the company. And a lot of the interns would look to her for leadership. And because she was learning all this information at school, she was now uh, contributing a lot of new uh, cutting-edge kind of advice. He was bringing that to the table in the forefront, and they started to find a lot of value in her. 
so when a position opened in that cybersecurity area, she raised her hand. And because she had already developed those relationships and had demonstrated that she had some leadership capabilities, she actually made a smooth transition out from her current job to the next job. But it was all because she understood that there was a change in her organization. She started to strategically position herself for the shift. And she started to developing the necessary relationships to make that shift happen. Mm. So really looking at your career and being strategic and knowing that things aren't going to happen overnight, because she didn't get educated in cybersecurity overnight. I mean, she had to be incredibly intentional, didn't she? She did. And that's why she ended up, you know, when she had to start uh, choosing courses for that semester, she selected a number of courses that would be focused in that area. And what was great about that was that whatever she was learning at school, she was able to come back to work and talk about it. And it was, it was she was demonstrating that she was learning and she was actively pursuing uh, new information in an area that was clearly developing in the company. So Ellie, one of the things that we've been talking about today, just this whole concept of women um, using um, office politics in such a positive way. We, we've always heard it so negatively, and it seems like we want to just steer clear of it rather than learning about the culture that we're working within and actually using it in a positive way. Um, some of the things that I just want to recap for our listeners is the fact that you said, you know, just being aware who to call, how to get things done, what are the right processes. You know, it's not necessarily always... Um, taking advantage of things in a negative way, like we've so often believed, but really taking advantage of being aware and saying, okay, well, if I know that I want to do this, I need to talk to HR. If I know I want to do this, I need to talk to, you know, the the VP of marketing or whatever it might be, um, and really using that in a positive way. And you were sharing this story of a gal who, um, instead of panicking about a big transition in her company, looked at how she could strategically place herself for a for longevity and to not be um, wedged out of an organization. So I hope our listeners get a chance to really learn from what you're sharing. And I want you to just briefly um, tell our listeners more about what they can find on your website and what the um, leadership strategies for women is. So if you can tell them again about um, and it, it's ellieneves.com. Uh, tell them what they can find out there. Sure. So I offer seminars and webinars uh, to corporations and organizations to help them develop their their emerging women leaders into effective managers and executives. And I've also offered uh, one-on-one coaching to women who want to get ahead. And uh, more recently, I'm launching a new initiative called Christian Career Women. And soon there will be a website. Right now I have a landing page on christiancareerwomen.com. And I've got a Facebook page that I recently launched. And I had the pleasure of interviewing Caroline Mendez uh, on a Facebook Live. I've heard she's very famous. Yes, she is. She is. She was a fabulous interviewee. (laughs) So tell us how we can find that on Facebook. Is it just, is it Christian Career Woman there as well? Yes, Christian Career Women uh, with an E, and uh, we'll be developing more programming and more Facebook Lives uh, there, and it'll be a wonderful uh, venue so that women know how they can integrate both their career with their faith. 
Do you find as you talk to women, um, and I mean, obviously there's a real need for this and you're feeling that in your heart, which is why you're pursuing these things. But when you start to talk to women that their career, God built them a certain way to do certain things that you really empower them to take even bolder steps. Yes. And one of the ways I love to launch a coaching engagement uh, with is to figure out what the woman's personal strengths are. I don't believe that there is a cookie cutter formula to a particular person's success. I believe that everyone's journey is unique because God has blessed us with unique talents and abilities and gifts. And those uh, talents, abilities, and gifts need to be taken into consideration so that you can be authentic in how you reach your goals. You don't want to try to become someone that you're not because you're not going to be successful trying to put on someone else's hat. You can only be successful being your God-given self and meeting your God-given potential. Hey, Allie, I'm curious to know what practices you engage in that integrate, help you to integrate your faith at work. What does that look like for you on a daily or, or weekly basis? So I engage in almost continual dialogue with God all day long. <laughs> so that's the first thing. I just uh-huh. have this ongoing dialogue with God and whatever I do as I go about my day, I ask God to bless the people that I'm working with, the clients I'm interacting with, the work that I'm doing. And, um, you know, the prayers not, my prayers have changed over the years. You know, there was a day when I used to pray, God, you know, make this go well. And now it's about, God, give me what I need to step up to the plate, regardless of what it is that you have in mind for today. Uh, and I find that mm-hmm. that, is a, that is a better prayer for me. Uh, so in addition to the prayer, also engaging in Bible study and regular fellowship with my church family and with my um, Christian brothers and sisters uh, really helps me to stay on track. Fantastic. Hey, are there... Um are there leadership traits that um, ways that you nurture those uh, in a faith-based way? Are there any particular podcasts you listen to besides I work for him, of course? But um, are there any? <laughs> you know, have, are there books? Are there? Are you engaged in a roundtable, a leadership roundtable? What what ways do you stretch yourself uh, with your faith leadership? So I tend to read the Harvard Business Review on a regular basis because I'd like to know what the, what the thought leaders are talking about in the leadership space. And because my day job is in a corporate environment, I also work uh, with human resources. Uh, in addition to the, my, my regular day job, what I do is, you know, advising uh, the, the legal and the political advising of the executive leadership team at my company, uh, I also get the opportunity to work on uh, a number of diversity initiatives within the company and helping mm. uh, women's leadership uh, development projects as well. So not only am I able to read this information, but I can see how it's being applied in the company and participate in its application. But then on my own personal time, I like to use the Bible as my filter. <laughs> So um, a lot of what I say that again, Ellie. Say that again. I like to use the Bible as my filter for anything that I learn in the secular market. Mm, mm, What's that look like? So it looks like I'll read. 
I'll read something in a leadership book. I'll read something in a Harvard Business Review article. And depending on what the topic is, I will go about searching it out in the Bible. And sometimes it requires some deep study. And there are areas in the Bible where uh, you don't necessarily find a topic, but you might see an example play itself out in a, in a Bible character and how a Bible character um, handles a particular situation. Or um, it might be that I don't find it at all in the Bible and I just pray for wisdom. You know, God, help me see the, you know, the, give me the wisdom that I need to be able to either use this information in a faithful way when I'm working or when I'm coaching someone or when I'm giving a seminar or a webinar. Help me to use this in a way that's going to glorify you and provide people with the right information that they're going to need so that they can, that they can apply it uh, in a way that will not violate their personal values. Those are some great examples. And so one of the things I'm curious of is you, obviously, um, your your spiritual life has matured over the years. And often we say, man, I wish I would have realized this when I was younger. Um, what do you say to your younger you if you were having a conversation right now? Oh, good, a good hint to a Mercy Me song That's to right. your younger me. <laughs> I could sing it for you three. That'd be, just... That'd be lovely, too. No, it would not. Okay, but then go we ahead. wouldn't have time to hear Ellie's answer. Go so, ahead, Ellie. Unfortunately. Sorry. <laughs> well, I think I alluded to it when I shared my uh, testimony early on, and it's that you can be a follower of Christ and you can be successful in your career. Mm-hmm. especially if you are like me and you work in a secular work environment, you know, and I think that's where um, this, this whole concept of can you succeed at office politics and still hold on to your values. And I tell you that, yes, you can, because I've managed to do that throughout the years and I've gotten promoted on a number of occasions holding on to my values. And that doesn't mean that I don't meet unscrupulous people along the way. But yeah. what I've found is that, I'm not accountable for their behavior. I'm accountable for my own personal behavior, and I'm accountable to God first. And as long as my behavior in the workplace honors God, everything else is going to fall into place, regardless of how difficult a situation is at work. (laughs) So will we be seeing you on a political ticket in the near future with all of your expertise <laughs> and absolute and, and your love of the Lord. Can we count on you to help run our help nation us. one day? Michael <laughs> House is for a political answer. I am not ruling it out. <laughs> I'm forming a committee. <laughs> it is within the realm of possibility. Well, we we love what you have shared today, Ellie, and I hope that our listeners have really been encouraged, especially around this whole conversation of the work environment and um, office politics. Any last words that you would want to share with our listeners to encourage them in about 30 seconds? I just want to ask them to uh, remember that God is in control, that God should be first, and that He should be the filter for everything that we do, not only in our personal lives, but also in our careers. Hmm. Good word. Well, thank you, Ellie Neves, for being on I Work For Him. For another She Works For Him episode, Ellie Neves, found online at ellieneves.com. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. And of course, Caroline and Martha, you guys did an awesome job today. Thanks for the vacation day. It was a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. I love the, the just the, it's 
You guys bring a different conversation than with me just butting in, although I did have to put that little comment in. But, <laughs> well, you know. we're glad you did. But thank you, Carolina and Martha. Make sure you check us all online, iWorkForHim.com. That's iWork, the number four, Him.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim, Martha, and Caroline. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I, work, I work For Him. For him.